This is Inherently Human. I'm here with Aiden DeBoard. That timer's off. I know it is. Because um, the interface is different at the moment. But we can fix that. Now. Ah, yeah, we are 27 <laughs> seconds into I All right, don't we're know. Good. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening is we're dealing with a computer interface, which is really wonderful because it is, in fact, a digital version of uh, a radio studio that in the 1970s, for example, Ooh. would have required reel-to-reel tape recorders and turntables and stuff that I don't have here. Uh, but the difference is, instead of all that equipment, we got to read what's on the computer screen, and there are two lines on the screen. They're both red lines, and they're parallel to each other, and they're progressing on through the podcast, and they each represent a microphone. My microphone, Aiden's microphone. This is my microphone. Yes. <laughs> and you can see I'm part what of this happened too. there, right? Ooh, I can see it jump. All it right. Did. Okay, that's I think we're good. really uh, getting out into the weeds <laughs> <laughs> at the start of oh, our podcast, which is understatement. <clears throat> which is called Inherently Human. As we decided last episode. Yeah. <laughs> but as a matter of fact, we'd foreshadowed that with about 19 <laughs> previous episodes where we called it. Inherently human. Oh, yeah. just by, was that a coincidence, do you think? I, it might have been. It I think been. it was just such a good idea from the start. Yeah. That, uh... <laughs> you know, but I got to say, that name, Inherently Human, is a wonderful umbrella. Because I don't know what we could do that would not somehow fit under the name Inherently, Inherently Human. human. Um, yeah, no, I really like the name just because... It allows us to stay as general as possible. Um, yeah. And so, and I know I've talked about this before when people come up and ask me about what this is about, and it's just kind of a, I don't know, everything. What we try to do is have an open hearted conversation between the two of us most of the time, although I've gotten really positive comments about us and how we talk, but one thing that people say is it would be great if we brought in other people, and I totally agree with that. Absolutely. It would be wonderful. It just is the case that what with Aiden's schedule at school and whatever I'm doing, it's hard for us, just the two of us, to find a time to come together where we can really focus on these podcasts. And then including a third or a fourth person mm -hmm. is tough. It, it's hard to do. It's, uh, I mean, just for example, we were kind of out of this for about two weeks, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's happened before. Yeah, over mm -hmm. Christmas, we didn't. Yeah. I, we I don't even know if we talked, you and I, really. Over we might have. Yeah, we might have texted. I don't know. Oh, you went to the, the coast, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I think I remember seeing you just before you left. Okay. And then after New Year's is when I... <laughs> did you have a good holiday? <laughs> oh, I had such an amazing holiday. Thank uh, you. Did you? Yes, I actually did. <laughs> uh, are you serious? Did you have a good time? Oh, yeah. I, I mean... know. It's really not the season to be asking <laughs> yeah, about how you did over Christmas. Yeah, the season of February. Right. <laughs> uh, any Valentine's Day plans? 
no, man, I don't have a partner. And, uh, you know, I guess we could go into my social history. And I certainly understand the reasons why I don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I don't have any prospects. And it's getting really, really under the gun if one was intending to, <laughs> you know, have a serious relationship within the, what the next nine days it would have to be what about you um you know i would think in my my young life that i should have valentine's day plans but yeah. tragically no um the next day i'll be leaving for boston massachusetts uh Why? for a national conference uh, yeah for my for my work Yes, and so and why don't you elaborate on that? He, uh, Aiden, is a lifeguard for one thing. Is yeah. that what you're talking about? It's a lifeguard mm -hmm. co conference. <laughs> I wish that was a thing. No. Okay. So what this is is I've I feel like I've talked about NURSA before. Um, NURSA is a national organization for collegiate recreation. Um, I think was there a gathering up north, like in Vancouver, yep. British Columbia? Yeah, you it did was talk about that. Bellingham. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so this is instead of the state conference, this is the national conference, and I leave the morning of the fifteenth, and so my Valentine's Day, unfortunately, will more than likely be spent going to bed early and packing. Hmm. The way that I am going to celebrate the 15th is by going to my acting coach. Ooh. Yeah, who I really like because <laughs> he's a guy that doesn't mind cutting you off at the knees if he doesn't like what you're Ooh, doing. Yeah. But I think that's invaluable, actually, because what can happen in acting class if the coach, and it's really understandable, if the coach thinks perhaps that the student isn't doing a bang up great job with mm -hmm. a monologue, what are you supposed to say? I mean, you don't want to discourage a person who has hopes of learning to act if they can't act yeah. yet. So a lot of times I think what happens is the coach ends up softballing the the perspective yeah. actor, yeah, not really being harsh in the criticism. With my experience in teaching, um, you know, swim lessons and CPR courses, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, additionally, like lifeguards, uh, the advice that I was given was to sandwich compliments. So, or sandwich your critique. So, okay, walk me through how you would do that. So, the first thing you would say is. Hey, great job. This looked great. Uh, I like how you did this. But next time or, you know, whatever they did wrong, you explain it to them. And then they you end it with another, hey, great job on this, though. You really killed it. So that way they start with something that's positive. Yeah. So it's like, great job. You did yes. this. Yes. Um, and then you insert your feedback, your criticism whatever it could be, and then you end it with something else that's positive so that way they don't leave feeling hurt or resentful that you just kind of went up to them and said, that's wrong. 
You know, what's fascinating is that is exactly what happens in an acting class. Yep, there it is. What will happen, like, I might read a monologue, and the person who's teaching the class will say, great, that was really good. You're getting much better at your pronunciation of consonants, for example. Something like that, Right. you know? But what you ought to try next time is such and such. Okay? So, yeah, mm-hmm. that happens. And I've been in classes, forgive me for this, but a lot of times I hear performances, and this is just me, and I'm confessing to this because I don't <laughs> think it's a, a great part of my character, but I can decide that someone in the class is just never going to be an actor. You know, that's my opinion. Okay. Yeah. Now, I understand they can't say that <laughs> well, to them. Well, yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Number one, I, there's no, why would you say it? Because it would undercut that individual in every way. And the point of going to an acting class, more, I think, in most cases than learning how to be uh, Cary Grant or... Jack Nicholson or someone like that is self-expression. You're really trying to open yourself up. Okay, that's the reason for it. So why would the teacher cut you down, all right? But I'm at the point where I really want to know when I'm not, when I'm literally not great. When I'm acting, I want to know from the get go and I want to know why. Right. And that's a certain kind of teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, that should be most teachers, wouldn't it? Well, as I, I mean, say, arguably, that's a pretty good way of learning. Yeah. Maybe it's a matter of degree. Yeah. But I have been in a lot of different classes. Mm hmm. And this individual that I'm going to now, and it's one-on-one, and maybe that makes a difference too, because uh-huh. I've never really had one-on-one classes before. Mm-hmm. But this guy will be on me uh, about the way I drop consonants at the end of a sentence. I didn't even notice it. For example, if I say, I thought so, I thought so. Yeah, I, that just sound, it sounds normal enough to me. Yeah. Well, he says... Michael says on stage, if you say, I thought so, the audience can't hear you because you need to say, I thought so. I thought so. I thought so. You have to say the, 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 uh, the consonants at the end. You have to pronounce the S at the end of a sentence. <laughs> I <laughs> you know. thought so. I thought, I thought so. I thought so. If you listen to some singers who really care about enunciation, you can actually hear that. And it sounds great in a way because you don't have to use brain power to kind of fill in the vagueness of a slurred sentence. For Well, like kind of what you were just saying, I thought so. I thought so. Where you're dropping that final one. It it almost sounds... Like you're trying to say a new word. And so if you were telling me, 
completely out of context what you're trying to say, you know, up on stage and mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. projecting this and all of a sudden you say, I thought so. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to be very yes. clear on what you're trying to tell me. That He was saying that on stage as a rule, from the audience's perspective, the consonants are what give the audience the information that they need. And he also said that the vowels, the A-E-I-O-U. Sometimes why? And maybe that's true, yes. <laughs> I don't really know that, but I'll buy that. Yeah. Um, that's where the emotion is. In the con- or the vowels. In the vowels. And I don't, he didn't really explain that part because yeah. <laughs> the last time I was going to see him, he got sick. Oh. And I didn't get to go to him. So you still don't know why vowels are so I powerful. don't necessarily know that, but I do know that the that the consonants are the communicators of information. But I know this stuff because of this man. Yeah. And he's a tough hombre. And he tells me that my breathing is wrong, and he also tells me that my ears as an announcer mm-hmm. affect me negatively as an actor. How so? Because I use, I've learned to use my voice in a unique way. That is, I'm very comfortable doing this, you know. Being quiet and And, foreboding. And and there's something called mic proximity where you get up close to the mic and you talk like this, you know. He means as opposed to something (laughs) like this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and um, you know all of that's just fine it's just great he has yeah. nothing against announcers mm-hmm. but he says when you're on the stage he says how often do you think in real life you use this voice I almost never use it hey. yeah <laughs> I don't not really yeah, yeah I, I, I swear in so. conversation we've definitely you've heard you've heard me uh, well I'm not saying I don't use it at all right because I guess I have a register I'm just saying that usually I'm talking from where I'm right now don't you think I mean oh you, in this yes, tone yeah, regi- yeah, 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 yeah this is approximately uh, I don't know how I don't know I'm obviously not a bass I don't know what you would say this voice is <laughs> it's resonant though yeah. But I'm not overusing it. Well, anyway, he just watches that like a cat. Mm, and like he's, a cat. Uh, well, a, a hawk. Well, you're right. <laughs> okay. I mean, no, I think the way that I've seen my cat look at like the. Uh, well, the that's what I mean. Dog. That's yeah. why I use okay. it. I mean, nope. there, there, there's a poem about <laughs> Nazi Germany, and uh, it's written from the point of view of. A Jewish character, and he describes how he was watched by cat's eyes. You know, I mean, I could just see that. You know, yeah. on, on walking down the street and people silently tracking you like a cat. Ooh. Yeah, that's right. why I said. Cat. Yep. Nope, that makes sense now. Yeah. I, in fact, I'm going to use that now. All right, you're welcome <laughs> to it, man. <laughs> but that's my that's my Valentine's Day. Yeah. Is getting watched like a cat. Yeah. I mean, Michael will be there, and it's in some sense cleansing. I trust being criticized. I think I'm lucky in life because I have been able to tolerate criticism a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just made me a lot better 
uh, you know, when I was in television and producing these stories, yeah, dude, it just how am I supposed to know if someone else is going to understand it or not, unless someone comes into the edit room and watches it, yeah, with uh, a really objective eye mm-hmm. and has the courage or just the self confidence to tell me. Or it's going off the rails, you know? So that's a good thing. And that's why Michael, my teacher, is a really good person Uh to have. Um, Because he really tells you it's straightforward. Yep. Do you think that your ability to take this criticism, this feedback, kind of stems from how you grew up? Because I know that it was kind of rough and it was abusive, yeah, but, I was. I would say so. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> were you ever criticized by your parents or your brother or anything like that? Yeah. Well, I'm. I. I <laughs> I'm trying to put it into some cohesive, progressive. Uh, rational yeah. way of saying that one connects directly to the other. That is, yeah. the abusive childhood allowed me to tolerate criticism. I I don't know that that would necessarily have happened, except that early on I started seeking uh, psychotherapy. Yeah. And often, I think, when a person meets... With, with a psychotherapist, what can happen is that it sure feels a lot like criticism, you know? I mean, why did you say that? You know, you start sharing, and this person did this to me. And then, right. Well, what was your role? How are you affected by you kind of thing? Yeah, but what is it that you did? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one time... Uh, a partner of mine was breaking up with me. Yeah. And I called this person stupid. I And I tell the therapist. Yeah. I was so pissed up. I just said, you're stupid. And I felt very righteous. For having I called, called them that. stupid. Yeah, I called them <laughs> stupid. And so the therapist says, was he really stupid? Was he? No. <laughs> I mean, it really, I mean, just that simple question. Yeah. So, was he stupid? And I I just had to, well, no, he really wasn't. Uh, <laughs> he just didn't want to be with me anymore. Okay? Right. Yeah. So, then the therapist says, so, why'd you call him stupid? Why did you? So then the therapist says, "Yeah, where did you learn that it was okay to call people stupid? To name call. Yeah. Where in your life do you think you found out that that was the way to deal with conflict in your life? That somehow that name calling is a strategy. Yes, yeah. name calling as a strategy. You're good. That is exactly correct. Thank you. And... <laughs> You know, I had, I had just never thought of that before. Yeah. That. 
that maybe it's not the best way to go? No, uh, that my brain is better than that. Ooh. That I don't have to rely on name-calling. It was an invitation from the therapist whose name was Phil, and he was just this great guy. He helped me a lot. Phil kind of gave me permission in, in a way to start thinking beyond the behavior of my family. Yeah? Yeah, because they were all about name-calling and oh, yeah. you're stupid and you're a bad person. And, you know, my mother used to lock us out of the house because we didn't come home on time. <laughs> we didn't come home on time. So we go to the door to come in, yeah. and the door would be locked. No key to get in? No. And so what we would do is ring the doorbell, mm. and uh, after a while of ringing the doorbell, Mom would come to the door, and she'd say, yes, what do you want? And we say, well, we just want to come in. She, I don't know you. Yeah. Whoa. That was my mom. <laughs> you talk about crazy. So if you are if you're raised around people who are giving you messages like that, that this is yeah. how this is how you treat people. Where it's you did a, a minor thing and all of a sudden We came home late. Yeah, and all of a sudden you're you mind. are you don't not exist. identifiable as my child. You are disowned, actually. Simply for coming home late. Yep. Oof. So that's where I learned to call people stupid when, in fact, it had nothing to do with stupidity right. at all. It was human choice, and I needed to respect it, and I needed to learn to respect other people, and that was quite the revelation in a therapy session. Yeah. And it seems it seems almost simple. I say almost because I know it's not. Um almost simple because all they really did was ask you to second guess yourself. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And so instead of trying to demean what you had said or try to tell you to think differently, all they asked was, is that actually the truth? Yes. And all you need yes. to do is accept whether or not it was or not, and then move on from that situation. Yeah, and you know, I think, um, I don't really know why he said it out loud mm -hmm. to me, but at one point, this Phil guy said to me, you're not insane. And I realized that that was a professional judgment on his part. <laughs> well, really. He went to school to tell you that you weren't insane. Well, what he, and he, I don't think he needed to tell me that. All he needed to do was know it right. so that it made sense for him then to come at me with rational questions such as, is it true that mm. the person who rejected you is stupid? So it was a out loud vocal note for to himself. everyone. Well, yeah, but to himself too. Yeah. That, that this individual, Jim, my 
patient here mm-hmm. uh, can understand me when I ask a simple question like that, <laughs> you know. Um, and I think that that kind of revelation that I got that day, mm-hmm. that it was really kind of simple, yeah, helped me a lot when I was working in television and writing scripts that didn't work. And there were people who didn't care about my feelings one way or the other. Yeah. They messed with my script. They crossed out stuff. They circled stuff, put arrows. No, no, that paragraph needs to go down here. This is your lead. Why did you bury it down about paragraph five? Yeah. You know, it goes up here. And so you get a circle and an arrow, <laughs> man. They got to retype the whole thing. This is before computers. And Ooh. so it was work. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, you're really being beat up mentally. You're oh, absolutely. totally criticized by these people. You're trying to write something for someone else. And yeah. then all of a sudden, it's just kicked down to what they want as well, that's opposed how it to what seems. you thought. Yeah, and it I to thought be. it was like art. Right. Yeah. I mean, no one had ever talked to me that way before. Jeez. But uh, a good defense for that, by the way, is resentment. You just look at that person that told you that stuff and you hate them. You know, how dare they yeah. talk to me that way? <laughs> but luckily, I had Phil, you know, uh, kind of letting me know that um, there was advantage. To listening to people criticizing you. And what would those in your in your eyes, what is the advantages of people criticizing you? Well, um, because I don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't know that it was bad to call somebody stupid. I really didn't know it. I mean, uh, oh, okay. If someone asked me, is like, is it polite? I might say, no, it's not. Right. But did I know that it was damaging? Let's let's say right or wrong. Let's take those words out. What's damaging to myself? Maybe. No. Is it damaging to me to call this person stupid for rejecting me? How does that give me any information about the interaction that caused my rejection? There's um, no information at yeah. all. Because I just closed the door. Because he, this person that rejected me, is worth nothing because mm-hmm. he's stupid. Right. You're not learning anything no, about I'm not learning why. nothing. So instead of taking this situation and turning it back onto yourself to learn yeah. you know, a lesson yeah. or whatever... You're instead putting blame on the other person in the only way that you can think of in that moment because you realize that there is no other reason well, other than, I... well, yeah, there's plenty of other reasons. But in your in your mind, you're thinking, oh, it can't be me. It's because they're stupid, and that's why I'm being... Yeah, because I'm reacting to my hurt. Right. And, and my hurt... Uh is paramount and I want that pain to stop. And mm-hmm. the best way to make it stop is to put blame. I'm sure that's why my mom did what she did. She was a <laughs> extremely tortured 
human being. Yeah. For her to go to the door and pretend that she didn't know her children, mm. uh, well, that's over some line where I think you start wondering about sanity. But um, by the same token, it probably compensated for her rage. She cooks dinner and we're ignoring her and her effort to make a nice home for us. So we don't deserve the nice home. So she's telling us that in her own way. She doesn't know how to communicate any better than I did Mm -hmm. with my friend who said, we're done as a relationship, you know? So it's a slow process of recognizing which of the two things is worse. The ignorance that allows me to stay protected uh, by calling other people stupid as though Mm -hmm. I am blameless. Right. Is that better than the pain of acknowledging that I might have deserved to be rejected, or in any case, this person who is a good person did reject me, uh, but I still can take the reasons for that rejection and learn from them. Right. See, it allows for learning. Mm -hmm. I think it allows for a little bit more expedited healing. Um, Because if you immediately blame someone else then you're going to resent them for being the way that they are and hurting you the way that they did because of their problems. As opposed to, I now realize that this is my fault. Maybe I did do something. And then you have that self-exploration as to finding out what needs to change about you. About me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, it's no longer about them it's no longer the hatred about them because now you've learned from them they've done something for you maybe in not the way that you wanted it to happen but you learned something and you know that's where a person i think can come back from psychological fragility let's say if i'm rejected and can't tolerate the rejection so that I have to blame the person and say that they're they were insane for rejecting me. Yeah. Okay. That I'm a goddamn treat. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> the best. So you put up that shield. Right. So like I am impenetrable and kind of perfect. And so this person had to be insane to reject me. Well then that probably is a good indication of fragility. I think it mm-hmm. takes courage to, to go, whoa, is it really me? Mm. Did I somehow push this person away? You know? Yeah. I mean, and that is, I guess, what we're talking about here, whether it's in learning to act from a uh, acting teacher who's <laughs> r- r- willing to be really, really critical. Yeah. Or uh, working in television and writing a script and the script doesn't work. I don't understand a thing about what's on this video because somehow you messed it up. Mm-hmm. Well, 
the more one can be open to understanding one's own personal flaws, in my case, obviously, I'm talking about me here, that uh, one can improve Mm -hmm. and one can become better and better and better at whatever it is they do. You know, and before we went on Mike, we were we were talking about a situation where this week I was put in a in a really kind of uncomfortable for me situation because oh, I was yeah, at, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was at there's a retirement party. Right. And at a certain point, and there were a lot of people there that I don't know. Mm. And the retirement was of a photographer I worked with when I was at Oregon Public Broadcasting, whose name is Nick, and I deeply respect him. Mm -hmm. I think that he was a great shooter. He really was one of the best, and I mean, it was a pleasure for however many years I worked with him, which yeah. might have been about 13, 14, I'm not sure, but a long time. That's a long time to be with someone. Yeah. And so um, he's going to walk away from the job now. Everybody's mm. saying goodbye. Yeah. I'm a pretty good friend of his, even now. I even mean, though, 13, 14 years. Right, I mean, yeah. right. And I mean, I, I retired from there in 2009, but we've stayed in good contact. Right. Um. But then this mutual friend, another photographer there, comes up to me and says, hey, we're about to serve the cake. Uh, Would you go upstairs? And there was a balcony. He said, would you go up to the microphone up there uh, and say a few words about Nick? And it instantly was clear to me that what that meant was that this friend Michael was tasking me with the responsibility to summarize a person and his career. Yeah. Trying to somehow distill the magic and the value and the reason why it mattered that Nick worked at OPB for 22 years. Yeah. I'm the one that's supposed to go up those stairs, get on that mic, break into everybody's conversations. Mm Mm-hmm and say something meaningful that will resonate with all these strangers Yeah, about something as complex as the guy's career. And I just, because of all of the therapy and all of the acting classes and all of the criticism I've gotten about stuff, yeah. I've built a certain kind of confidence. Right. So that I... Sort of knew. I, I'm not saying I, I didn't have sort of flutters because I did. Right. But there was a part of me that was more certain than not. If it was a flip of a coin, I was pretty sure it was going to turn out heads. I was going to have the words and I didn't have to think about them. I think it would have been worse for me if I had found out a couple of days before. You think yeah. if you had prep, it would have been. It would have been harder. Wow. So, obviously, you went up and you actually, you did the toast. Yeah. You know, I just went on about, I just trusted in the moment Mm -hmm. that that the Jim Newman who knows Nick Fisher, um, unchallenged by my own mind and self-monitoring, which could come in and make me stutter and self- 
question and second guess every word that's coming out of my mouth. If I didn't do any of that, if I just said Jim Newman knows this guy and really likes him and respects what this guy has done with his career and just starts mouthing that feeling, the feeling, then it's going to be all right. And it was. It was great, I think. I mean, not that I was eloquent. I'm not talking about the quality of what I did. I'm talking about the communication value of it. Mm-hmm. People got what I was saying. Right. And I think that I did right by Nick. You know, I think that there might have been better choices than me, but <laughs> because I was chosen, I acquitted myself well in the role of the person asked at the retirement party to summarize this person's wonderful career. 22 years of a career, and yeah. you need to summarize it in five minutes? Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah. You know, you got you, you don't have forever. Mm-hmm. They kind of want to get back to their conversations and whatever they were doing. <laughs> yeah. It's an interruption. I mean, so I walk up to that microphone, and suddenly I'm louder than they are. Oh, louder than everyone, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, they kind of have to listen, so they <laughs> did. You know, but it's like making that a performance in a way where my sincerity and my willingness to take the risk of opening my heart. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Sharing what I know to be true um, is um, a technique almost. It's a tool Say, I know how I really feel. If I have access, if I have gained access to uh, those feelings through vocabulary, you know, that I can apply my words to, you know, the subjective sensations in my body kind of, that if I can do that, and that's what acting class helps you with, (laughs) then I'm home free. And that just meant that I had to open my mouth as soon, like right now, I'm listening on the earphones, I know I'm on a microphone. It was a little bit like that. I could hear, you know, that I was on a mic. And it was like, that didn't intimidate me. I just thought, now I know that this is what I need to say because I mean it. And in some general sense, I'm pretty safe because everyone here, you wouldn't be at a retirement party like that if you didn't love the guy. Well, you was might. The, was the cake free? The cake was chocolate, and it was delicious. Ah, there it is. Yeah. No, yeah. I'd go to a retirement party for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, most people there were there to celebrate this person, not necessarily uh, because he was a photographer, because he's also a, a avid river runner who knows most of the runnable rivers in Oregon, you know. Probably knows more of the rivers than I do, and I'm from here. Yeah, well, (laughs) uh, yeah, he's a California boy, but, you know. (laughs) Being shown up by a Cali boy. Yeah. Aw. Well, what what are we at? What time? Oh, we've got plenty of time. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, uh, I guess... All I'm really saying is that uh, 
Speak accepting, from the heart. Well, accepting criticism. Mm. Wow. We can ignore that. Yeah. That was Alexa. Anyway, <sighs> making a sound. But um, I, by opening yourself up to criticism, either from a therapist or from someone else you trust, mm-hmm. can lead you past your initial vulnerabilities uh, and give you a strength that wasn't there before. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Does that make sense to you? I'm, I'm processing it right now. Okay. Um, it sounds like being able to have that self-exploration and identify. That's a good word for that. Well, thank you. Uh, and identify yourself and where your flaws are so that mm-hmm. way you can, you know, get rid of them one by one, especially in speech or anything like that, that when you're put on the spot after all of this time, all of this practice almost of yeah. finding your voice inside yourself and what you want to say, uh, I think, yeah, being, being put on the spot would be a lot more effective than being allowed to prep. Because then with the prep, you got to second guess yourself. You don't know if it's going to really hit. But yeah. if you right on the spot, everything's from the heart. Everything has to be honest mm-hmm. because you can't redact. You can't change. You can't edit what has already been said. Yeah, the danger of uh, having prep time is that you come up with great phrases. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, that is so poetic. That's what I want to (laughs) say. And then you end up, oh, can I remember it though? You know what I mean? Then you end up trying to memorize the whole script instead of just going at it from the gut. And saying it. Yeah, and three years ago, a real tragedy happened. Uh, A good friend of mine's son died suddenly and he was really well known in Missoula Mm -hmm. Montana and so well known in fact that they uh, hired the main theater downtown to have the celebration of life and my friend wanted me to be the MC who tied it all together and made appropriate comments at whatever time And so I said, yeah, sure, of course I'll do that. But I went there, and when I got on stage in this this huge, dark auditorium, and every set of eyes I know (laughs) is looking at me. Right. But I felt utterly comfortable because the one certainty I had is that everyone was there because they shared the sorrow of this man's passing. Yeah. And I shared that with him. So it was as though I couldn't go wrong. Interesting. Yeah. I just felt utterly confident in the moment mm-hmm. that I was one with the audience. And a little bit, and that happened with the uh, comments I made about Nick, because more or less everyone there for that retirement celebration. Yeah. Loved them for whatever their reason might be. There's a shared experience yeah. between you and everybody exactly. that you're trying to talk to. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I, I, yeah, I, I guess some of that understanding of the way that plays does have to do with, um, you know, I don't know if I want to <laughs> say it all comes from being criticized in your life, but I think it 
it helps at least with self-understanding. Mm. You know, you get feedback and you're not defending yourself at all costs so right. that you don't get any information. We all need to Criticism. know stuff from outside ourselves. Oh, yeah. If you think you're perfect in every way your entire life, I mean, that's no way to... Yeah, it's not going to be helpful long term, yeah. probably. It's it's pretty detrimental. Um, We're running out of time here. I said we had plenty of time, and now we kind of don't because <laughs> we sort of try to shoot for forty-six minutes or so. Forty-five, you know? about yeah. Okay, I mean we slop over the forty-five pretty regularly, though. I yeah, go us. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. not an exact science, no. but it's a fun one. Wouldn't it be great if we'd had? And I, I'm not suggesting we sing. Again, no, (laughs) but I mean, we should have a theme song and all that kind of stuff and thank our sponsors. Wouldn't that be nice? If we had sponsors? If we had them. (laughs) Let it be known that we are non-sponsored, so please contact us. We're, We're (laughs) we'd love to have it. We're willing to thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I'll thank anybody who's willing to give me 20 bucks to do it. (laughs) Really? That's uh, that's the price for the show, 45 minutes. Okay. (laughs) We could raise them later. You're you're the you're the expert on this. I'm just I'm just here <laughs> yeah. to fill the seat. I <laughs> don't think that's true. You really have a lot of skill at this, in my opinion. <laughs> that means a lot coming from you, the actual expert. Ah, thank you, man. <laughs> but um, I think this is about time we start wrapping this up. So I'm Aiden DeBorn. My name's Jim Newman, and this has been. Inherently Human, episode 21. Number 21, That's the man. One. <laughs> we're just marching through them. Yeah, we're killing it here. So that's a good thing. And thanks so much, really. Well, we do appreciate your listening to us. Absolutely. We wouldn't be doing this if it weren't for y'all. So we greatly appreciate everyone who really sticks around the whole 45 minutes. Yeah, we're in awe. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. Please be safe.